0: Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Laymiller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. One of the keys to great sex is about being in the right headspace and being totally immersed in the experience. If you're not fully into it, it's easy for your mind to start wandering. For example, you might start thinking about work or the other things that you need to do or you might start thinking about your insecurities. Likewise, when you aren't completely immersed, it becomes much easier for other things to start distracting you, such as sounds that might be coming through the window. And that divided attention can make it harder to stay aroused. So how can you get into the right mental space for great sex? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Specifically, we're going to be discussing a mental state called flow. We're going to talk about what it is, how it's linked to sexual and relationship satisfaction, and how you can more easily get into this state of mind. I am joined by Dr. Emily Jamia, an ASEC certified sex therapist based in Houston, Texas. In addition to running a private therapy practice, she hosts the Love and Libido podcast, writes a monthly sex column for healthywomen.org, and teaches a variety of workshops. Emily has also conducted research on flow, so she's going to break down what you really need to know about it. This is going to be an amazing conversation, so stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. Take self-pleasure to the next level with The Handy. Designed by Norwegian company Sweet Tech, The Handy is a motorized stroker that is compatible with a wide range of sleeves that mimic the sensations of different sexual activities. Try it with solo play or allow a partner to control it remotely via Wi-Fi from anywhere in the world. The Handy allows you to stay intimately connected with the partner even when you can't physically be together. The Handy offers up to 10 strokes per second at top speed, it can be synced with video, and the device is customizable to your body and needs. To get your hands on the Handy, find the link in the show notes or visit thehandy.com, and be sure to use my exclusive discount code, sexandpsych, to get 10% off your purchase. Again, that's thehandy.com. The Kinsey Institute at Indiana University has been investigating issues of sex, gender, and relationships for 75 years. To commemorate the Institute's 75th anniversary, they will be hosting events all throughout the year, including art exhibitions, research lectures, a book club, dance performances, and much more. Visit their website at KinseyInstitute.org or follow them on social media for the latest details. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Kinsey Institute. Hi, Emily, and welcome to the Sex and Psychology podcast.
1: Hi, Justin. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: It's always a pleasure to speak with you. So I'd like to begin our conversation by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this area. So specifically, what drew you to the world of sex therapy and what do you love most about being a sex therapist?
1: Yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of people have these very circuitous stories about how they got into the field. I think mine was pretty straightforward. I think I really became a sex therapist at a very young age because it was something I was always really comfortable talking about. My dad is an OBGYN. So, I mean, I grew up hearing comments about vaginal discharge and how dilated someone's cervix was. And to me, it was just no big deal, but that wasn't the case for most of my peers. And so... I noticed that a lot of friends would come to me with questions or they'd be like, hey, what do you think of this? Or can you ask your dad that, but don't tell him it was me or whatever. And so I started giving sex advice at a pretty young age. And when I was studying in undergrad, I was majoring in psychology and I took a human sexuality elective. And I was like, this is it. This is what I felt called to do. And um, the rest is history. I've been now in the field for over 15 years.
0: And what do you love most about it? What's the upside of being a sex therapist?
1: Oh my gosh. It, I, I find I'm always so inspired by my clients. You know, it's so hard to come into the therapy office and it's so hard to express a problem that you have about your relationship and especially your sexuality. And so I find that I'm always inspired by them. And just to help someone with that element of their life, I find profoundly meaningful. Sex is something that, you know, I see as being so innately human, so wonderful in so many ways. And it saddens me that so many people have so many issues with it because I think it's wonderful, it's pleasurable, it's emotional, it's an opportunity for self expression and connection. It can be so many things. And so to be a part of these people's journey, I find to be such an honor.
0: And I can imagine in the therapist's office, there's going to be radical vulnerability that you're just, You don't see that often in everyday life. And you're right that people have to build up so much courage, I think, in a lot of cases to come and talk to you and share these problems that maybe they've never shared with anyone else in their life, perhaps not even their own sexual partner. So it's really a vulnerable state when you're in that position and i also love what you shared about your history you know some people i've had on the show do know from a very young age this is what they want to do and it is kind of like you know some sex therapists are born but others you know they're made you know it's something that they discover much later in life when something clicks for them or they take a certain course or whatever so everybody has a different path into this field So, at the top of the show, I said we're going to be chatting about flow today and how being in this mental state can boost sexual satisfaction. But as a starting point, I want to ask you to first tell us what flow is generally. So, what does it mean to be in a flow state?
1: Sure. So, you may find yourself in a flow state when you are engaged in an activity where you experience like a total absorption in whatever you're doing whatever you're doing there may be kind of a loss of space and time your that that chatter that's always in your head goes quiet there's intense focus, there's complete concentration. So you may have heard a surfer describe feeling at one with the wave or, you know, watching um, a band of musicians play together, especially when they're like in a jam session playing music that isn't planned. And they're just kind of feeling the vibe and they sort of seem to know what to do as if it's automatic and effortless. That's a flow state. Now, you don't have to be an elite athlete or in an orchestra to experience flow. I think most people can think of a time when they were engaged in activities. Sometimes people have it at work. Maybe you're you know, really in the zone real, is, is ultimately what it comes down to um Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi is really the forefather of flow and he's done extensive research on flow state and he identified more or less eight characteristics of flow i named a couple of them so this is you know a sense of effortlessness and ease a loss of space and time feeling totally absorbed, having intense focus and concentration. A lot of times there's just the right balance of challenge and skills, which we'll talk about a little little bit later. Um, There's a a high degree of clarity on what your goals are, what you're hoping to get out of the experience and immediate immediate feedback. So um, you don't have to check all eight boxes to experience flow, but um, more or less, those are kind of the things that you're looking for.
0: I'm definitely in the flow when I record podcasts. You know, I've sort of discovered that as I've become more experienced in this space where there is this total absorption when I'm speaking with a guest like you where I'm just there and in the moment and I'm not thinking about anything else. And in addition to that, you know, I also notice like I sort of become a different person when I'm in this state, you know, the the podcast voice comes on, you know, and it just becomes this sort of natural other version of me podcast, Justin, I guess, if you want to call him that. But I've seen this too with a lot of other performers where it's sort of like when the camera clicks on or whatever, they just sort of go into this state and it's this intense focus and concentration. And it really allows you to do what it is that you need to do in that moment. And I think... I think you can observe this a lot. If, for example, you watch professional sporting events, you know, you see some people who perform these amazing feats and it seems so effortless and so natural. And then other times you see competitors who are really struggling and you'll hear the commentators say things about, you know, how that person is really in their head right now and over analyzing the situation and they're not in that flow state. So I'm guessing, you know, when somebody is in a flow state, you can probably fairly readily observe that would that be fair to say?
1: It's like exactly what you described. It's like when everything clicks is when you know you're in flow. And definitely if you're watching, you know, I think we all saw it recently on the Olympics, you can tell when someone is just off their game and you like feel it coming, you see it coming and inevitably maybe they don't get that 10 out of 10. But when you're in a flow state, the interesting thing is I think, you don't always get a 10 out of 10 when you're in flow. I mean, it's having flow is not about achieving perfection. Um, and I think that's very relevant to how we're going to tie it to sex. But it's about caring less, you know, because there's pure enjoyment about what you're doing. I think that's another important key element. There's um, intrinsic motivation. You, you're doing it because you want to do it. And that feels good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about flow and sex. So how can being in a flow state enhance sex? And what have you found in your research about how flow is connected to sexual and relationship satisfaction?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, it, it all started, I think, here in my therapy office. A lot of clients would come in complaining maybe of some kind of sexual dysfunction, and we'd get them to a place where that was no longer a problem. And then they'd ask me questions like, what else can we do? Like, there was a sense of wanting more. And a lot of times they would say they wanted to have kind of the sex that they see in Hollywood and TV. And of course, I'm like, look, that's scripted. There's a lot of preparation that goes into that. But I, know what they, I knew what they meant and so i started thinking more about how to teach my clients what at that time i'm like it's just kind of that energy it's that chemistry that maybe you either have or you don't have and so i started looking into the research now i am not in academia okay i am a clinician and so it was it was kind of new to me it'd been a long time since i'd really dived into research but started looking at the research because what I ultimately thought I was like, you know, I think what they're wanting is to experience a flow state. And I couldn't find anything out there. I mean, there were no, st- I found some studies that looked at kind of transcendent sex and a little bit more so like in the BDSM community. And you maybe hear about that a little bit more, but for you know a lot of the couples i was seeing that wasn't something that they were interested in and i couldn't find any studies that looked at the relationship between flow and sexual satisfaction and you know i think a lot of people can reflect back like on the honeymoon stage of their relationship and talk about how intense and electric the sex was but I was really interested in helping couples, you know, maintain that sense of intensity and eroticism, even if what they wanted was a long-term monogamous relationship. So since there was nothing out there that I could find, I conducted my own study. And I recruited about a hundred participants and administered a couple questionnaires just to see what the relationship was between flow and sexual satisfaction. And found that there was a very strong relationship. And in fact, flow kind of predicted. How sexually satisfied couples were, um, and I only recruited couples who were in longer-term monogamous relationships, and they had to have been together for I think at least three to five years. Because I didn't, I wasn't as interested in like the hunt, the good honeymoon sex that most people have. I wanted to know like what the secrets were for people who knew how to maintain that long term, and um, and so I did that initial study, and then I I took the ones who scored highest, and I followed up with interviews to kind of find out about what they were describing about those really great sexual experiences. And a lot of it was very much in line with the reading I had done on how to cultivate a flow state. So that's what the research project was. And it led to the creation of this whole online workshop, which you know we can talk a little bit about as well. But, but ultimately, yeah, I found that with the right information, this was a whole new way to teach couples, not just how to have better sex, but how to cultivate desire. It's a new way of thinking about it.
0: And I think you're so right that anybody can have great honeymoon sex, right? When the relationship is new and exciting and you've got sort of that particular circumstance, yeah, it's, it's easy to have good sex. It's much harder to maintain great sex over the course of time with one person. Or if you're open in and, and some type of non-monogamous relationship, that, that can still be a challenge at times because we tend to fall into sexual ruts and routines and so forth so you know figuring out how to keep sex exciting is sort of a common struggle that people across genders relationship types, sexual orientations all kind of struggle with from time to time now i appreciate the description of flow that you shared with us but something that my mind kept going back to and i think some of my listeners might be curious about this too is what is the relationship between being in a flow state and mindfulness. I've talked about mindfulness on the show many times before, and it sounds kind of similar to flow in the sense that both of these things are kind of about being in the present moment. So what do you see as the difference between being in a flow state versus practicing mindfulness?
1: Yeah, that's an amazing question. So I would say that flow takes it a step further than mindfulness because when you're mindful, there's still kind of a higher level of awareness of, okay? When you're in flow and you are completely in your body, you're not just aware of the body, you're aware as the body. It's like a deeper level of embodiment that you experience when you're in a flow state. In fact, one thing that happens when you're in flow is something called Transient hypofrontality. What that means is that that prefrontal cortex, which is where we have, you know, our higher order thinking, rational thought, decision making, planning—it's the chitter chatter. It's the, the self awareness. That all goes quiet, and you're kind of just more in this like deeper level emotional, um, almost reptilian brain, if you will. And and so I think that's really the biggest distinction is that I would say mindfulness is a great start flow takes it a step further.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to put it. That With mindfulness, it's, it's really about present moment awareness. And so you are in that moment, you can still have thoughts that cross your mind and you're going to acknowledge them and let them go. And mindfulness is also about being kind to yourself, not being judgmental of the different thoughts and other things that you have. So even with mindfulness, while you're in the present moment, there is that level of awareness but in a flow state as you described you're just totally immersed and you're not going to have the opportunity for those other thoughts to even come in so there's a much reduced level of awareness compared to being in a mindful state and i think both mindfulness and flow can help people to have better sex but they're just sort of these very different mental states and might be cultivated in somewhat different ways
1: Exactly. And I would add to that, that when you're in a flow state, there's actually a loss of awareness of things like hunger and thirst and even pain. A lot of the people who I interviewed would describe you know, great sex as an opportunity for them to forget about the chronic pain that they were in for some reason or another. So it's, it's a little bit different than just kind of being aware of the body and paying attention to the body.
0: Yeah, it's so true. Like everything goes away. You know, I noticed this. I'm going to go back to my analogy of podcast flow. You know, for example, I might have a a headache or backache or, you know, some pain before I start the episode. And during the show, I don't feel that at all. And then afterwards, I might like suddenly get really hungry and be like, oh, I didn't even realize I was hungry, but it's just because everything kind of shut off for that period of time. So yeah, so flow just really immerses us in the moment. And I appreciate the research that you've done in this area. You know, I can relate to having a question and not being able to find an answer in the literature and me saying, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to have to go do this myself. And You know, sometimes that results in a multi-year journey to get the answer to your question. But, you know, that's just the way it has to be sometimes. And, you know, for me, this link between flow and sex is something that I only learned about fairly recently. Like I think the first time I heard about it was at a conference a couple of years ago where Dr. Brad Segrin was giving this presentation and he runs the Science of BDSM lab. And he did this study looking at the role of flow during participation in an extreme BDSM ritual. And I thought it was fascinating. And he did this really, really cool experiment where you know he's actually observing people as they're going through this BDSM ritual and then stopping them at different points to have them complete mental tests to sort of figure out what mental state they're in and it's just a very clever study that i think provides a lot of useful insight but i want to talk about that for a moment and specifically you know what is the role of flow in kinky sex or bdsm and i know that wasn't necessarily part of your recent study but what do we know about flow and kink
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think what we as sex therapists are always reminding people who are maybe in more vanilla relationships is that we can learn so much from the BDSNM and kink community. And you know, when you go into a flow state, it is not, it doesn't happen with an on and off switch. In fact, there are four stages of flow. The first is a struggle phase, then a release phase, then you get into flow, and then it's recovery. And I think if you observe someone who's in BDSM, you will see that they are going through each of those stages. So in the struggle phase, a lot of times that's like maybe when stress hormones go up, you're maybe you haven't quite gotten there. There's a lot of planning and preparation that goes into it. And this is what people who are in the community have to do if they want to do it safely. There has to be a great deal of communication and planning and preparation that goes into that to keep everybody safe. And that part of it is kind of something that you have to do, but it's not the peak Part of the experience. And then, you know, the release is when maybe they do begin the activity and they're kind of getting warmed up and they're starting to let go of the outcome a little bit. Like it's happening, there's a commitment to it. And then the flow state is ultimately what they get into. So I think that's one way to kind of think of it as it relates to what we see in the BDSM community. Another thing I think to keep in mind is this balance between challenge and skills. Um, we know that the magic number seems to be about 4%. When we are doing something that is too high above our skill set, we can feel anxious. If we're doing something that's too far below our skill set, we'll feel bored. People who are in the community are always kind of pushing themselves into that 4% zone. There's always something new or exciting that they're experimenting with. The other thing that they're doing is a a lot of times there's an element of danger to what they're doing. Again, they're they're always trying to, in that preparation phase, talk about what they need to do to stay safe. Um, But when there's an element of risk or danger, you have to really focus because if you don't focus, something pretty serious could go wrong. And when when something is drawing your focus, you can't get distracted, which is why I think there's a higher level of flow in that community.
0: It's interesting in looking at the research on flow and BDSM, you specifically see that people who take on the role of the dominant or they're the top in the situation, they are the ones who enter that flow state of enhanced hyper-focus. And as you said, it can be adaptive in terms of making sure that everything proceeds according to plan and that it's safe um, because there can be a certain level of risk involved. And by contrast, for people who take on the submissive or bottom role, you see them entering a very different mental state where it tends to be as some describe it a more spiritual experience some people think of it as kind of an out-of-body experience they describe sensations or feelings of floating and so that's very different from the enhanced flow state that the top or dominant might experience so I think Actually, part of the appeal of BDSM for a lot of people is that change in headspace. You know, and some people refer to this as top space and subspace and, and so forth. They have different terminology for it uh, that might not necessarily line up with the scientific terms. But I think ultimately we're all talking about the same thing, which is that there is this change in headspace that happens during kinky sex.
1: Precisely.
0: So something I was wondering about while reading your paper is whether some people just have a naturally easier time getting into a flow state during sex than others. And I can think of a lot of things that could potentially matter here. So for example, one of them might be how easily someone gets sexually aroused or how easily inhibited they are. So if you're somebody who finds it easy to get and stay aroused in general, that might make it a little easier to get into a flow state during sex and likewise it might also depend on your sexual history and how sexually experienced you are so if you're somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience with a given activity sexually or otherwise that might make it harder to get out of your head and get into the moment so do you have any thoughts on this in terms of who might have an easier time getting into a flow state
1: Yeah, I do. And I agree with what you're saying. I really am of the belief that anyone can learn this. Um, but I think that it's something that will come a little bit more easily for some people than for others, you know, people who have a more fixed mindset who, you know, for various reasons may feel more inhibited. They're going to have to do a little bit more work to break through those barriers. Um, you know, it's funny because I always use a surfing analogy for some reason, but I had never been surfing myself up until about a couple of weeks ago. And I, I tend to be a little bit scared of, you know, what I can't see in the ocean. But I really had to, like, push myself. You know, it was like a lot of mental energy that I had to, you know... Kind of conjure and, and pull myself to get out there and give it a try, and I think the same thing applies for people who are just kind of scared to let go and surrender into a sexual experience. And you know, on that note, I I think this is something people express, especially here in the therapy office, is of a fear of letting go and surrender to the sexual experience, which is I think so essential for flow. But I am of the mind that surrender and control are not mutually exclusive. I don't think you have to give up control completely in order to surrender. I think you can draw from elements of both during um, a sexual experience, and that's something you know I learned from from studying flow and figuring out how that works. Um, And just thinking of my own recent surfing experience, there was never a point that I felt completely out of control. Part of that was because I kind of stayed in my 4%. I mean, we're talking like two foot waves here and and that was enough for me. Um, But then I also kind of surrendered. I said, this is happening. And I felt a great deal of pleasure and joy in the experience. So you have to have the same mentality when it comes to sex.
0: Absolutely. And as you're speaking about this and describing all of it, I'm thinking about how in my own life it's much easier to get into a flow state during certain activities than others. And, you know, there has to be a certain level of comfort and confidence in terms of that activity, but there also has to be, as you said earlier, that sort of little bit of sense of pressure and challenge that sort of motivates you to go to the next level and really have to have that intense focus to achieve that goal that you have so you know there is sort of this goal-oriented aspect uh, that plays into it as well so yeah it's it's really going to depend a lot on the person and the activity sexually or otherwise their experience level comfort the amount of pressure that's in there and you know you're so right that sometimes there's just too much pressure and you can't get into a flow state and that's just going to put you into your head because you're just (laughs) uh, over analyzing overthinking it and that's just going to make it more difficult to to relax and have a good time
1: exactly and i think that word relax is so key here i think when people have sex they try to rush through it too much i mean flow state you know it might happen during a quickie if there's enough maybe energy that's been built up ahead of time that leads to that but a lot of times people say oh i just i can't concentrate and so i'm just going to give up or it's a lost cause when really what they need is to give themselves time and space to work through that struggle and release phase so that they can get into flow i mean you know think of an artist who just has to spend time mixing their oils and cleaning their brush and prepping their canvas before they paint a masterpiece i mean it, it just takes time and i think we, are in, we live in such an instant gratification world. We're very impatient. And that applies to sex, unfortunately. You know, again, something I think we can learn from BDSM, there's so much that goes into planning these elaborate scenes. And there's a lot of positive excitement and anticipation that goes into that. And I think if we take the same approach with, you know, sex that you might be having, that's a bit more vanilla, that you can still have an incredible time, as I found in my research participants.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about tips for cultivating flow. So you discussed earlier how you think anybody can potentially learn how to get into a flow state, although some people might have an easier time to begin with. But for people who maybe want to experience the benefits of this in the bedroom, what are some practical tips or strategies you could recommend for getting into this headspace during sex?
1: Yeah. So I think it's really important to have a partner who is equally invested in having the kind of experience that you want to have. I would say that's the biggest hurdle for people. You know, there's one person who feels really enthusiastic about doing what they need to do to cultivate this experience and one person who's maybe not on board. And, you know, if you imagine like a group of musicians, like, you're not going to have an amazing concert if one person like isn't giving it their all. And so, you know, assuming that you're trying to experience flow with a partner, you've got to work together as a team. Um, And I think that's important to keep in mind. I mean, we see flow happen in groups all the time, but everyone in the group has to be equally invested and committed to achieving that goal. So that's part of it. Um, Another tip I would I would give is to talk extensively with your partner ahead of time about what you think you might need to experience it. If there is anything, you know, focus is such a big element of flow, and so you want to talk about what you may need to do in the room to help yourself feel relaxed and focused. If it's going to be hard for you to focus because there's a dog snoring (laughs) on the floor next to you, or because the kids' toys are all over the place, or because there's a pile of laundry, you know, sky high, then you may need to take care of those things before you can expect yourself to experience flow. Um, Definitely when it comes to that challenge skills ratio that I was talking about earlier, you want to talk together about what you're both comfortable with when it comes to experimenting with something new and creating a sense of novelty. We know from other research on sexual satisfaction that novelty is important. You know, it's something that keeps things exciting long term. And, um, so there has to be a willingness to step just a hair outside your comfort zone every now and then. And I think a lot of people, when they think of trying new things or spicing things up, they like jump way too far ahead of themselves. 4% is not that much, you know, there's a really sweet spot. And so sometimes that may be just changing the time of day or the location or, you know, doing something different in the routine that can be just enough to keep things really exciting and to to call your attention so that you feel fully engaged. Um, I really think one of the reasons people always cite Vacation sex is being so amazing is because it's an environment that's conducive to flow. You're relaxed. You're in a new space. You you know you could order room service if you want if you're in a hotel or something like that. So you know you don't have your everyday stressors, which makes it much easier to concentrate. Um, both people are usually excited because they know that that's going to be an opportunity to connect sexually. So there's mutual investment. Um, but there's really, you don't have to do too much to experience flow. That's why I think anybody can do it.
0: So think of it as you want to go 4% outside of your comfort zone the next time you have sex. So you get that little bit of challenge, but it's not too much. So for example, let's say you're, Somebody who is fairly vanilla and you're interested in exploring BDSM, you're not going to jump right into the whips and chains and uh, extreme BDSM rituals because that's too much. That's way more than 4%. But maybe starting with just a blindfold or light spankings or something along that line... Could be an entry point that gives you that just little bit extra challenge that you need to kind of get into that mental state. And, you know, you can think of this progressively as building, you know, the next time you can go, you know, just a couple percent further beyond that, but it's all baby steps when it comes to exploring and experimenting with your sexuality, because you're so right. Sometimes people proceed too quickly and you can have too much too soon. And that's when things often don't go that well. So something you talk about in your recent paper is the potential use of flow in sex therapy as sort of this natural alternative to medications or other treatments for sexual problems or difficulties. So if you can teach people to get into the right headspace during sex, that might be enough to solve a lot of common sexual problems. So can you just talk for a moment about what you see the role of flow as being in sex therapy and what kinds of sexual difficulties might it be able to help people to deal with?
1: Yeah, so... I think flow is kind of the ability to achieve flow, I think is an adaptive quality. I think it's something we're all kind of hardwired or predisposed to be able to do, um, you know, evolutionarily, it's probably what kept people safe, but pushed them far enough away from the tribe to go out on the hunt. I mean, the flow, I think is an adaptive quality that we're all hardwired to, to experience. Um, You know, in my office, I think explaining things in terms of flow just seems to click for people. I mean, when I talk about flow and I make, and we talk about all the things that I've shared with you today, I see there, I see just like all these light bulbs going off in their head and there's sort of this sense like, oh. Like, that makes sense. I feel like I can do that. I've kind of moved away from seeing people like every single week for a long period of time. And I'm just doing these shorter term intensives because I find that I don't really need to do long term therapy when we're approaching sex from this angle. Um, You know, I'm always trying to move people away from over focusing on the requirement of, you know, an erection or an orgasm every single time they have sex. We know that people who become too goal oriented during sex have a harder time experiencing flow. Um, and that when they start doing the things I described that help them experience a flow state, then a lot of times those things happen more naturally and effortlessly. Um, it can be a great way to help people let go of trauma. Even I think, you know, something I I didn't mention earlier, which I think is so important is you know doing this in a relationship with someone who you feel really safe with who you completely trust um you know having a strong relationship having a good partner is a really important part of that um and so i think experiencing flow can be very healing for people on a number of levels
0: and i can see the applicability to a wide range of sexual difficulties you know from having difficulties maintaining arousal you know being in a flow state can help in terms of maintaining that level of arousal rather than distracting thoughts popping in and the arousal dipping and decreasing could also potentially help people who have difficulty orgasming because they're really there in the moment and it could also potentially increase sexual desire because if you're really there and present and having this amazing sex that's probably going to make you want it even more so i see a lot of applicability there for different sexual problems
1: Totally. And you know, I have so ninety-five percent of the people who come to see me these days are complaining of a sexual desire issue. There's a discrepancy in desire in their relationship. And I'm like, okay, hey, let's put desire, let's table this concept of desire for just a minute and talk about the sex that you're having. Cause if it's not good quality sex, like you're not gonna wanna do it. And so I find that there's a lot we need to shift typically in terms of improving the quality of the sexual interaction, usually by applying some of these flow principles that then makes them more interested in it.
0: It's totally normal to not want sex or to not desire sex that isn't very good. <laughs> yeah, I second that. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Emily. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work, to take your workshops and you know just see all the other amazing things that you're doing?
1: Yeah, thank you. It was such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. So everything can be found at Um You'll find my online workshop there, which is all about attunement, plus how to experience flow during sex. And I'm happy to give your listeners a discount code. So if you use the code half off, then you can apply that and get 50% off the workshop. Um, and then of course, I'm across all the social media channels at Dr. Emily Jamia. And I have a podcast as well. It's called Love and Libido. So Anyone can go check that out
0: too. I highly encourage you to check it out and to check out Emily's workshops. So thank you again for your time, Emily. I really appreciate having you here. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, sexandpsychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.